Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Arc, and I said that the next episode wouldn't be in a couple of months' time. Yes, I know one month isn't exactly the closest, but allow me, allow me. Quickly, before we get into the episode, if you wouldn't mind, give us a like, give us a subscribe, it'd make me pretty happy. And also, if you're listening on any other podcast platform, make sure you're following, you're sharing it out, you're doing all that good stuff. And finally, follow me on all the social media platforms, the links are in the description all the time. So please, if you haven't done anything that I've asked you to do so far, stop, stop, stop listening. Subscribe, or follow, and share. Right, let's go on to the video, and let's start talking about playoff basketball. Now, as I'm recording this, the first round is pretty much in the books, bar like three series. And as much as there's been some amazing performances on the basketball court, a lot of the attention has been taken by the fans. It's almost like the pandemic has just rendered their common sense just gone. Like, it's not there anymore. Like, there's a great chance that we've had more fan ejections than we've had player ejections. And given how petty the NBA referees are today, I'm very surprised at that very surprised. I mean, in modern NBA, I wouldn't be surprised if someone got double-teched and ejected for genuinely just scratching their eye at an official because apparently that's some sort of threat. However, joking aside, the stuff that the NBA fans have been doing ever since they've been let back into the arenas, I'm not speaking for everyone, but some of the stuff that's been happening has been pretty, pretty bad. Some of them have deserved their uh, lifetime bans from the arenas, but let's be honest, I think if anybody threw popcorn at me, I'm sorry, but you know, Russell Westbrook, you know, um, you'd probably beat me up, but you overreacted slightly, in my opinion. I mean, he acted like he'd just been jumped, and he was, like, fighting for his life. Keeping within the series between Russell Westbrook and the Washington Wizards and Philadelphia 76ers, who were led by Joel Embiid for the most part, he missed Game 4 and Game 5, though. I don't know if he'll be back for the semis. I hope he is, because as much as I don't want Philly to really go far, I actually think it could be their year this year if Embiid stays fit. So as if, if anyone's a Philly fan out there... I hope MB gets better soon. They managed to beat the Washington Wizards 4-1 overall in the seven-game series. But let's be honest, was anyone expecting anything different? I really think the only main surprise here is the fact that Washington actually won a game. Because other than Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, they really have no one else. And Bradley Beal doesn't really have a playoff mode. You know how some players are good in the regular season but then get better at playoff time? Bradley Beal's just very good at the regular season and just carries that over into the playoffs and it just wasn't enough really. And with Russell Westbrook shooting well under 50% from the field, yeah, it was pretty much a lost cause for them. On the other hand, Philly, well, Philly were just amazing really, weren't they? Embiid was showing why people think that he's going to become the MVP this year, averaging almost 30 points before he got injured. Tobias Harris was doing Tobias Harris things. I genuinely think he's probably one of the most underrated NBA players probably ever. And even in Embiid's absence in Game 5, Seth Curry actually turned into his brother Steph. Like, I think somebody probably needs to get that checked, you know. Steph isn't actually supposed to be in the playoffs this year, Golden State didn't get through. So, I know Steph has a lot of time on his hands, but he can't be doppelganging for his brother, come on. And Ben Simmons, well, he managed to start the series playing point guard, and then ended it playing centre. Like, it baffles me how he can play those two positions just seamlessly well, and still put up good numbers. And that 76ers side will come up against the Atlanta Hawks, led by the most hated man in New York, Trey Young. I mean, I'd say that this was probably the most entertaining first round matchup in the East. Probably for some good reasons and for some bad reasons too. I mean, the bad was taken care of pretty quickly after the man who spat on Trey in game one was given a lifetime ban from the Madison Square Garden. But Trey Young, it's almost like he, he took it and just made it something that he was going to play off of for the rest of the series. But if I'm honest, I don't know what's more disgusting. The fact that someone spat at Trey Young or Danilo Gallinari's trim. 
The guy literally has a landing strip on the top of his head now. But he does fit in well with the Atlanta Hawks quota of having bad haircuts, as Trey Young doesn't really have a good one either. The best basketball player to look like a sticky lollipop that's been rolled in a carpet for a little while managed to pull through and show his all-star status. Someone who most definitely didn't show his all-star status though was Julius Randle. After the Hawks won the series 4-1, reports were coming out saying that Julius Randle had become a two-time MIP award winner for 2021 the most improved player, and missing in playoffs. I mean, when a 32-year-old past his peak, Derrick Rose is the one leading your offense, New York, you're in the mud. Derrick, just come back to Chicago next year. I'm telling you, with you in the starting lineup, we're gonna win the NBA title. Bold prediction, I know, but it's gonna happen. I'm obviously joking, please don't salute me in the comments. But overall, I'm pretty happy for Derrick. Now let's just hope either the New York Knicks get better, or that Derek can move to a championship contending team next season, because let's be honest, I'll die a happy man if Derek Rose wins an NBA title before he retires. As for Atlanta, I'm pretty sure they'll give Philly a tougher time than Washington did, and I am going to go out and predict that if Embiid still isn't fit by the time the series begins, Atlanta probably might even go up 2-0, but once Embiid comes back, it's reverse sweep time, and Philly will win in 6. But let's be honest, I don't think Trey Young will really care, He's already certified himself as an absolute bad man within the playoffs, with that bow after taking that long free against New York in Game 5. Brooklyn and Boston met as well in the first round matchup, and you guessed it, there were some more fan altercations, with a Boston fan throwing a water bottle at Kyrie Irving. But some Boston fans say that these actions were justified, because well, I'm gonna need some sad royalty free violin here before I go on. Thank you, thank you. Kyrie Irving stomped on the Boston Celtics logo and reports have come back saying that Lucky the Leprechaun has suffered some pretty bad nose break, as well as some orbital fracture as well. Absolutely terrible, incriminating stuff from Kyrie Irving there. Yeah, and we've talked about players overreacting earlier in this podcast episode. Boston Celtics fans, get over this. I think the one thing that we've all learnt from this series, which saw Brooklyn go over Boston 4-1, is that we might as well just cancel the rest of the playoffs, because Brooklyn are too OP. Just give Brooklyn's big three the championship, give them their rings, and then just break them up. Make the NBA a little bit more competitive, please. Well, I mean, it also didn't help that Jason Tatum was pretty much running a basketball team on his own there. Jalen Brown was out for the full series, Rob Williams played the first few games and got injured, and so did Kemba Walker. Although, given how Kemba was playing throughout the first few games, you could barely tell the difference. Although in game one, Rob Williams managed to get himself nine blocks, which is absolutely mental, and shows that when healthy, he is going to be one of the best young centers in the league. And it is a bit of a shame that Boston have been knocked out so early, because playoff Jason Tatum is absolutely insane. Like, literally so insane. He scored 122 points over the final three games of the series, including the 50-point piece, which helped Boston win their only game and avoid a sweep. I'd say that this season's playoffs has been the one where a lot of the young players have definitely come of age. Like, we've already talked about Trey Young and Ben Simmons, but Jason Tatum as well, Luka Doncic and Devin Booker over on the West. A change of the guard is definitely coming, I'd say. But I don't think anyone can stop the Brooklyn Nets big three. Kevin Durant had more games scoring over 30 points than he had under. There wasn't a game where James Harden scored under 20 points, and Kyrie Irving only did it twice. The only thing that's really going to be able to stop Brooklyn this season, in my opinion, is an injury to one of their big three. But given the amount of time they've had resting over the regular season, I just don't see it happening. But hopefully the next round will be a little tougher for them, given that they'll have to go through Giannis Antetokounmpo's Milwaukee Bucks, who have had quite a long time to rest, don't you forget, given that they've been the only team that have been able to sweep their opponents 4-0 in the first round. Because, well, the Miami Heat genuinely didn't really put up much of a fight. If you've forgotten, this is the team that made it to the NBA Finals last year out of the Eastern Conference. The best team in the East, pretty much. 
but no, apparently Bubble Heat will just never be matched. I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat franchise just decided to try and relocate themselves permanently to Disneyland. I mean, it's in the same state. Pretty much counts, right? This was supposed to be a really close playoff series though. Milwaukee's record in the postseason really isn't that good. And Miami could have been a dark horse to knock them out, really. I mean, they did it last year. And after Milwaukee had to take it to overtime to beat them in game one, we thought that maybe it could happen. But no, three straight blowout games, including two in Miami's own backyard, and they've been sent home packing. And I'm pretty sure after the playoff series finished, Miami's executives were pretty much on the phone to New York's, asking if they could extend their search party for Julius Randle, so it could include Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Because they just went missing, and so did Tyler Hero. Remember when he was putting mock trades for the likes of James Harden and Zach Levine? I genuinely don't think I'd trade my mock boy for Tyler Hero right now. Okay, maybe that was a bit harsh, but you get my point. But credit where's due to Milwaukee, they did kind of capitalise on it and they played some good basketball too. And it helped that Giannis' role players were turning up as well. Players like Chris Middleton were firing on all cylinders and the Milwaukee Bucks will definitely need that against Brooklyn if they want any chance at going through. Also, apparently playoff Bryn Forbes is a thing. Like if there was a sixth man of the year just for the playoffs, I think Bryn Forbes might actually win it. But it's weird because the dude literally only shoots threes, but he's actually been quite good at it and they'll definitely need that to continue. But one of the major points to come out of the Milwaukee Bucks team going into the playoff semi-finals is the absence of Dante DiVincenzo. The dude's just a really good defensive guard and the Bucks will really need those if they want to get past Harden and Kyrie and Durant and all them lot. But they also have players like Drew Holiday who can turn up defensively too. And Giannis is one of the best defenders in the league as well as being one of the best attackers in the league too. Like he's genuinely unfair. And out of anyone on the Milwaukee Bucks roster, Giannis Antetokounmpo will have loved this week off more than anyone else. And he'll be raring to go, and I can actually see him and the Bucks taking game one in Brooklyn, but that's probably all they're going to get. I can see a gentleman sweep happening here, with Milwaukee losing 4-1 to the Brooklyn Nets Big 3. And then moving over to the West, which was a lot more competitive in my opinion. Only one playoff matchup managed to go under six games in the West, and that was the Utah Jazz going over the Memphis Grizzlies 4-1. And, and let's be honest, there was some potential for an upset as Memphis took game one in Utah, but then Donovan Mitchell came back, and then it was business as usual for the Jazz. But credit where's due for Memphis. They didn't even finish in the playoffs, and they managed to get in through the playing by beating the Golden State Warriors and the San Antonio Spurs, and then they had to deal with a Utah Jazz team, who I think are a sleeper for the NBA title this year. When fully fit, they're pretty dangerous, and their ball movement is absolutely mental good. But sticking to talking about Memphis for the moment, and let's talk about Ja Morant. The point guard is only in his second year in the NBA, and he absolutely smashed it in his first playoff appearance. He averaged over 30 points in the five games that he played, which is up 11 from his season average. I do think he's earned a lot of admirers through this playoff run, not only for fans, but from like actual pundits and players too. It is a shame that his run has ended so early though. But let's be honest, the Grizzlies can really only go up from here. Their core is so young, Jamaran and Jaron Jackson Jr. are both 21, and Dylan Brooks, who I didn't see him going off in the playoffs before it started, he went mental. He's still yet to consistently perform at the level that he was playing at during the playoffs, so I think if he can keep that going throughout the whole of the regular season next season, then the Grizzlies probably won't even have to rely on the play to get into the playoffs next year, and hopefully that'll mean that they'll progress further than the first round. But back to Utah, and let's be honest, they are just pretty good, aren't they? Jordan Clarkson being so good off the bench definitely helps. Mike Connell is just one of those guys that you just really want to see win. And as much as he gets bagged on for being a bit of a fraud when it comes to winning Defensive Player of the Year, Rudy Gobert just is a bit of a beast in the paint, isn't he? He averaged over three blocks in the first round. And that's rounded off with Donovan Mitchell, who just came in and turned the tide of the series by himself, pretty much. I do think that the Jazz are going to get into the NBA Finals if their core stays healthy. 
And having a massive rest will help, definitely, because they'll be going up against the winner of the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Clippers, which hasn't even finished yet, it's gone to seven games. And it's annoying because I've waited as long as I possibly can to record this. All that needed to happen was Dallas to win at home, but no, nobody seems to want to win at home here, given that the away team has won out on all six occasions so far in this playoff series. So going off of this logic, the Mavericks have to win this, right? Given that the final game's been played at the Staples Center. But anything could happen in Game 7 between these two teams, because in my opinion, the two best players in the whole playoffs play in this series. Usually you'd have the best matchups happening actually in the NBA Finals, but Kawhi Leonard and Luka Doncic are unbelievable. Literally unbelievable so far. It's taken him a year, but the Los Angeles Clippers have finally got that 2019 playoff Kawhi Leonard that led the Toronto Raptors to a title. And all that load management seems to be paying off as well, given that he's played over 40 minutes in 5 of the 6 games so far in the series. He's averaging 32 points over the playoff series so far, and he's making Paul George look good for the first time ever as well in the playoffs. Okay, maybe I'm joking a bit. Yeah, he hasn't been absolutely useless this series, and he's scored over 20 points in each of the 6 games so far. But the thing is though, they don't really have anyone else. They had to rely on Reggie Jackson to pull through in Game 6, scoring 25 points and getting 9 rebounds. And they didn't have DeMarcus Cousins, Patrick Beverly, or Sergio Baca for Game 6 as well. So if they don't have him for Game 7, Dallas might actually pull through, given that Luka Doncic is probably one of the best players in the NBA right now, and I think when he retires, we might even be putting him in the GOAT conversation, I'm not even joking. I don't think I've seen a carry this big since LeBron James in the 2018 playoffs with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Because Kristaps Porzingis, what are you doing? Like, you're supposed to be the big man, but you're doing nothing. You can't even grab rebounds. You're seven foot three. Watch him come and drop like a 40-40 game now in game seven just to shut me up. Maybe I am over-exaggerating a little bit though because Luca has had some help from his role players. Tim Hardaway Jr. has been playing pretty decently bar game four where he dropped a stinky four points. And Boban Marjanovic is just Boban Marjanovic. Nothing really bad to say there. I do think that every single neutral fan wants the Clippers to lose here, but I actually don't think it'll happen. I think the Clippers will take game seven, but I do think no matter who gets through, the Jazz will probably beat them in six games in the second round. They just have too much depth that the Clippers and the Mavericks just don't have right now, and I think that'll be enough to push them over the line into the conference finals. Moving over to the other side of the Western Conference first round, and Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns have absolutely F5'd LeBron James's first round record, and the streak is over. LeBron had never lost in the first round in the last 14 matchups, but the Phoenix Suns have proven to be too much for the Los Angeles Lakers, knocking them out 4-2. And I do think the big difference in this playoff series was about injuries, both to Chris Paul and then Anthony Davis. Chris Paul injured his shoulder in game one of the first round and you could instantly see how that negatively impacted the Suns as the Lakers took a 2-1 lead out of three games. But then Anthony Davis injured his groin in the game 3 victory and that proved to be too much as the Lakers lost 3 straight games sending the Suns through. Respect to AD for coming out and trying to play in game 6 as the Lakers were facing elimination but you could tell his groin wasn't 100% and he left partway through the first quarter. Now though, the question on everyone's minds coming out of this playoff series is, is LeBron James washed? And the serious answer is no. LeBron was still putting up good numbers that we expect from him and it's not really his fault that Anthony Davis got injured. It's also not his fault that everyone else was playing like massive frauds on the team. Like Andre Drummond, I've said previously, would be an absolute steal to whoever picked him up. I was wrong. I was, I was very, very wrong. And if Kyle Kuzma was even half a foot shorter than he actually is, he'd be working in the local Burger King. I'm not even lying. And after it all, I actually think that LeBron might prefer to play with the Looney Tunes squad instead of playing in that Lakers team. As for the Suns though, I'm just pretty happy for them. This is their first playoff run since 2010. 
And I think after their bubble run last year, everybody wanted the Suns to do well. And I think everyone just wanted Devin Booker to do well as well. And he scored 77 points in total in the last two games of the series. So good, good on you, Devin. Well done. But I actually don't think that any of this would be possible without the signing of Chris Paul in free agency this year. The point guard has once again shown how valuable he is to a franchise. And you could see even throughout this series when he got injured, the Suns just weren't the same. And I do really hope that he stays healthy because this is probably his best chance at a ring for the final time in his career. And given that the Bulls are in the playoffs this year, I think I've become an honorary... Honorary? That's a mad word to say, you know. I've become a Suns fan over the last few weeks, and I hope that they get through at the finals, and I hope that they manage to topple Brooklyn if they get to the finals too. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves, because in the semi-finals, they're going to be facing Nikola Jokic, possibly the MVP of the league, and the Denver Nuggets. They knocked out the Portland Trailblazers in the first round, and first of all, let's just talk about Damian Lillard for a bit. When you can drop a 10-point night and still average 34 points throughout the 6 games, you know you're a beast. And he even hit 55 points scoring 12 threes in the game 5 loss in double overtime. And he was making clutch shot after clutch shot after big 3 after big 3. It was unbelievable to watch. And you really do feel for him that the rest of his team just couldn't seem to step up. CJ McCollum had been amazing throughout the regular season, but he just turned into an average shooting guard during the playoffs. And with Lillard turning 31 in a month's time, questions are being asked about his future, and I do think he will probably demand a trade in the offseason. I personally don't think it'll be a bad thing for the Blazers though, because right now, he is probably a top 2 point guard in the league, so they'll get so much for him. I personally think he'll end up going to either the Boston Celtics, the Philadelphia 76ers, or maybe even the Los Angeles Lakers. I just think that those three teams are the teams that have the most to give in exchange for Dame. I do think if he wants to win though, he's probably going to have to go to the Eastern Conference to do so. The West is just way too crammed with talent, which is easily seen through the Denver Nuggets. Like I said before, they just have a load of really average players by Jokic who can just go off on any given night. And even without Jamal Murray, they managed to get through in six games. They didn't really have a struggle. Nikola Jokic was up to his MVP self. He only scored below 35 points in two of the games. In my opinion, Michael Porter Jr. has gotten better in this playoff run, and Monte Morris off the bench scored 50 points over Game 5 and Game 6. And he's just one of the many examples of the many average players that Denver have that can just go off on any night. And they'll definitely make sure to give the Suns a good series. And I do think that the Denver Nuggets have every reason to believe that they can go over the Suns in 7 games. I just don't think it'll happen. I can't see that going all the way down to the wire though, so I'm going to say that the Phoenix Suns topple the Denver Nuggets 4-3 and advance to the Western Conference Finals. And that will round up my first round analysis. Do you think that my predictions are correct? Let me know in the comments below. Like I said before, don't forget to like and subscribe if you're listening on YouTube. If you're listening on any other podcast platform, make sure you're sharing it out. Comment down below and give me some feedback and also some suggestions for what to do in the future, and I'll talk to you in a while.